Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, the scripture says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Well, if Jesus said nothing shall by any means hurt you, what should we be saying? Now, saying the same thing as Jesus said, and saying the same thing as God said, is making a confession based on the written word of God. So if Jesus said nothing shall by any means hurt you, then you can say it. That means in your everyday walk, that you should walk around saying, thank God no evil befalls me. Neither does any plague come nigh my dwelling. Thank God nothing shall by any means hurt me. Thank you, Lord. Now turn over to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We're going to talk just a little while today on your authority as a believer over fear. Over fear. Over fear. Amen. You've been set over fear. You are not under fear, neither are you in fear, but you that have been raised up together in Christ Jesus have been placed in a position of authority over fear. I like that. Fear is not in your spirit. Fear is not to be in your soul, for you have been set in a place of authority over fear. Taking dominion and authority over fear is the responsibility of every born-again believer. Fear is not natural to the born-again believer. It is not part of my DNA, nor is it a part of your DNA. It does not come from God, it comes from the devil. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? And so taking your place and taking your position over fear, know this, that fear does not come from within, but fear comes from the outside trying to get into your soul. But oh, if you'll rise up and displace your fear with faith-filled words, you will always put fear on the run and you will rejoice in the victory that has already been won. Rejoice in the Lord, says the Lord, for you are faith-free and, hallelujah, fear-free and faith-filled. Amen? Now notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 34. Hallelujah. I will bless the Lord when it's going good. (laughs) I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. When everything's just hunky-dory. No, thank God. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, there's a little thought here. It's so easy to enter into a corporate anointing of rejoicing and blessing the Lord. It's so wonderful to be able to experience the goodness of God and the presence of God corporately. But did you notice 
that you can be in a setting where people are blessing the Lord and you set your will against doing that. You've got to place your will in the hand of the Lord and say, I will bless the Lord, not only in church, but in my car. I will bless the Lord on the job, in the bed, wherever I am, from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. I want to bless the Lord. So, it must be a part of your will. You must will to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be where? Well, pastor, you know, I grew up in a church and I grew up in the same kind of church where, you know, they said, just be silent and be quiet in church. I found a scripture in Psalms that says the dead don't praise the Lord. Well, I just don't be, I just don't believe in being all demonstrative. You better get used to it. In heaven, they're very demonstrative. I guarantee they're demonstrative up there. Yeah, but you know, I, I've got, you know, I've just got this quiet praise in my heart. Well, that's where it comes from, but it shouldn't stop there. Praise in your heart should be coming out of your mouth. I so appreciate how the praisers and the team leaders lead us into the presence of God. But I want to be led into the presence of God daily. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's something about opening your mouth and lifting your praise up to God that changes the very atmosphere around you. He says, it'll be in my mouth, not just his mouth, not just Tony's mouth, but my mouth. See, the Bible talks about in Hebrews that it's the the, the fruit of your lips giving thanks to his name. Your lips bear much fruit. When you give thanks to his name, a man shall be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth. Who glory. Think about that. That is the fruit of your lips giving thanks to his name. The Lord does not want us to be grumblers. He doesn't want us to be mumblers. He does not want us to be complainers. For complainers are remainers. Praisers advance. Praisers are fruitful. Praisers go into the throne of grace. And become strengthened with might for their designated race. That is the fruit of our lips. Given thanks to his name. An attitude of gratitude goes a long way with God. If you want to position yourself for continuous increase in your life. Be a continuous praiser.
I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I don't care what my flesh feels like. I will bless the Lord. At all times. Now notice, read the rest with me. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now notice verse 2. My soul, get your soul involved in this, shall make her boast. Boast. The word for boast is halal. We get our word hallelujah from it. The word boast and the word halal and hallelujah means a spontaneous expression of praise and worship continuously. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Pastor Nancy made me aware of this in the Spirit-filled Bible, and I think it's good, and I'm going to read it to you. Singing of praise is to be continual. Praise and worship, the word praise here, tequila, kind of reminds me of tequila, but that's kind of carnal. (laughs) Refers to a hymn of praise or the singing spontaneous praise to God. As the New Testament calls us to sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. Now this is it. When the heart is full of praise, it will find expression. Songs and words being spoken. Overflowing. Glory to God from our mouths. That's powerful. I believe with all of my heart, God wants to take you, God wants to take me into the realm of the overflow. Overflowing with praise. Overflowing with rivers of living water. And so it says in verse 2, I want you to read this with me. Let's read it together. He says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord... The humble shall hear thereof and be what? And be glad. You know, another word there for boast is to brag. Oh yeah, we're going to brag on them. When the Lord does something good for you, you ought to brag on them. I mean, when the Lord heals you of a toothache, you ought to brag on them. You ought to just open your mouth and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm bragging on you. When your babies come from afar to be nursed at your side and come out of darkness finally into the kingdom of God, you better brag on him. Somebody needs to testify now on a daily basis, on a regular basis of the goodness of God. My soul. We're going we're gonna to brag on him. Not only for the big things he does, but for the little things he does. You find a parking space at Bart, brag on him. Thank you, Lord. That's the favor of God. Break on him. And the more you break on him, the bigger he'll get to you. 
The more you brag on him, the more you magnify him, the littler and smaller the problems and circumstances around you will seem to be. And you'll begin to see them from his perspective and from his standpoint. So boast in the Lord, magnify the Lord, exalt his name together and be elevated and be lifted and be blessed. Hallelujah. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Can anyone here brag on the Lord? Has the Lord done anything good for you recently? The mere fact that you woke up and you're breathing, you ought to be doing some tequila. I didn't say tequila, I said tequila. How many folks that weren't fasting yesterday ate a good meal? None of you ate a good meal? How many of you ate yesterday? How many of you ate a good meal? That's something to boast about. Now notice verse uh, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And that, that's what Pastor Tom was singing about. Oh, magnifying the Lord, that new song. Magnify, magnify the Lord with me. Now that builds a case for doing this together. It's important that we come together and magnify the Lord. But now notice, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. He never told you to magnify the disease. He never told you to learn all the Latin names for what you're standing against. He never told you to learn all the ins and outs from the medical encyclopedia about everything you're standing against. He didn't say magnify the debt. He said magnify the Lord. He didn't say magnify the marriage problems. He said magnify the Lord. And let us exalt His name together. Oh, but pastor, you know, there's too many folks magnifying the difficulty. We need to be magnifying the answer. Well, I wish I knew what the answer was. Well, you've got the answer book right here. Hallelujah. The answers are right here. Right here in this book. Basic instructions for living biblically every day. That's the Bible. You got the answer. Don't magnify the difficulty. You magnify the difficulty, the devil will take a molehill and make a mountain out of it. Yeah, but you know, Pastor Mark, you don't know the trouble I've seen. Now, I may not, but God does. And I want to remind you today that there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But your God is faithful. And he will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability to resist the temptation and come through that burning fiery furnace without a smell of smoke. He will always provide a safe landing place for you in the midst of your trial and in the midst of your test. He will always bring you to the other side of the test and the trial if you will just give him something to work with. Don't lay down and play dead and roll over and play dead like a possum. Stand up. Rise up. 
Stop yielding to the spirit of fear and start resisting that devil and he will flee from you. Oh, but I got big debt. You got a bigger God. Oh, but Pastor Mark, I fell, I messed up, but oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb will never lose its power. Now look at Psalm 34, verse 4. Here's what we want to get to for a while this morning. I sought the Lord, and what did He do? He heard me and delivered me from 90% of my fears. No, He didn't deliver you from 85% or 90% of your fears. He delivered you from all of your fears. How many? All. All of them. Not afraid at all. No fear here. We must live in the zone called faith, the faith zone, where no fear can enter into our lives. You know, the source of fear came as a result of the fall of man. Did you know that? Adam and Eve yielded to sin. And as a result of yielding to sin, it brought death, spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from God. And when a person is separated from God, we could say that they have experienced loss, right? See, at one time they walked in the cool of the day and God spoke with them and walked with them and talked with them. But when they partook of the knowledge of good and evil, they sinned. Amen. Death came and immediately, instead of going out and talking to God, they hid themselves. Why? Because Adam says, we heard your voice. We hid ourselves because we were afraid. So you can track back the source of fear comes from death, spiritual death. You know, if there had never, ever been any sin, there never would have been any death. And if there never would have been any death, there never would be any fear. But because of the transgression that was committed, sin entered into the world and death by man. And along with death came fear, came sin, and came death multiplied upon the human race. And that is what the father saw when man fell. He saw this man that he had created for dominion fall way beneath his will and his plan in the beginning. So on one hand we could say, That God was on the outside looking in as man was concerned because Satan became the illegitimate God of this world. He is God of heaven and earth. But Adam sold us out and sent the lease over to the devil. And so God said, enough of that. We're going to have to do something about this. And so he sent his son. I said he sent his son. He sent his son. He sent his pure, sinless son 
who became like you and became like me so that we could become just like him. It is the great exchange. He took for you what you deserved. He took for all of us what we should have and should be participating in. It is called the great exchange. He became sin with your sinfulness that you might be made righteous with his righteousness. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and, and verse 15. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, I pray that you'll speak through my lips. Think through my mind. Minister to these, your precious sheep, through this vessel of clay. And may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened today. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, this can help you, saints. In Hebrews chapter 2, now notice verse 14 and 15. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had, past tense, the power of death, that is, the devil. And so he combated death with death. He combated sin with his blood. And Satan thought he had him down for the three count. But early Sunday morning, (laughs) just like Jesus said... He rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he said, give me those keys, boys. They don't belong to you. They're mine. And I'm going to transfer them to my church. So Satan had the power of death, but he no longer does. Now notice what the result of this substitutionary sacrifice is and how it impacts and affects your life and my life today. This is important. Verse 14. And deliver them, that's you and me, who through the fear of death were also all their life subject to bondage. Look at verse 15 up there. I want you to read it. And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now listen very carefully. The fear of death in a person's life makes them subject to bondage. All fears, doesn't matter what kind of fear it is. Fear of flying. Fear of being in a tight place. The fear of driving. All fears have their root in the fear of death, which is the fear of being separated from something you like, love, or desire. Why would a person be afraid to fly? 
Because they're afraid they're going to... Well, if you crash, what happens? You die. And if you die, you've experienced loss from something you desire or from someone you love. The fear of death haunts Christians by the thousands. It holds them in bondage and holds them captive. But Jesus came and destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Death and fear are enemies to God. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 15. And I want to I want to look at this in the Amplified Version. Do you see that? Do you see that? God doesn't want you paralyzed by fear. In Romans chapter 8 verse 15 in the Amplified, it says this. It says, For the spirit which you have received, it is not a spirit of slavery. The spirit that we've received... We could say is who? The Holy Spirit? And so the Holy Spirit that we have received is not a spirit of slavery. Now what does slavery do? Slavery binds people. Slavery is bondage. It says the spirit that you've received is not a spirit of slavery... To put you once more in bondage to what? Bondage to fear. So we see here that fear does not liberate, but fear brings bondage. Right? God does not want us to be bound by fear. But, here's what we've received. You and I have received the spirit of adoption... Which is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit producing sonship. That's powerful. In the bliss of which we cry, Daddy, Daddy. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God. For you are living, walking, speaking Temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and inside of me. Now look at 2 Corinthians 3.17. And uh, let's notice this in the Amplified Version. 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter, 17th verse. They were all their lifetime subject to bondage. But Jesus, through death, annihilated that for us. Now, just because something has been bought and paid for and defeated on your behalf doesn't mean it's automatically going to work for you. What this means is you have to rise up and take what God's done for you and make it a reality in your life. Now, notice in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, (laughs) glory, there's liberty. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, we can say there's no slavery. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's no bondage. Not afraid to fly, not afraid to drive, not afraid to get into a relationship. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, oh, I love this. There is liberty. There is freedom. And I, and I just absolutely love how he says this. Emancipation from bondage and from freedom. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he emancipates you and he frees you up from all your fears. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. All your fears. Now, notice this word emancipation. How many of you remember what the emancipation, emancipation proclamation was? Okay. I believe this, that you and I need to start proclaiming our emancipation. And the way that you proclaim your emancipation is with your mouth. The same way that you praise God with the fruit of your lips, you release your faith by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth what God's word has said. Things like, God's not given me a spirit of fear now, but a power and love and a sound mind. Now, fear is going to present itself to you, and it's going to present itself to me. But you and I don't have to panic. We don't have to be afraid when we get a bad report. Why? Because we've got a better report. We've got a higher report. We've got a good report. The good word of God is the good report. Now, listen. When you get a bad report or when the economy goes up and down, when the kids are rebelling and everything around you is going wrong, those are bad reports. Then you and I have the choice either to panic, right? Or to yield to God. Either to panic and get in fear and put our body into a state of distress and stress. Or we can choose life, and we can choose faith, and we can choose God. And it is amazing to me what has happened in my life when I have chosen faith, and chosen the Word, and chosen life over death. How it just lifts me, and emancipates me, and causes me to be free in my spirit free in my soul and free in my body. I say to you by the word of the Lord, you do not have to panic. Panic is from the devil. He is the one who's panicking because he knows that his days are short. So you can either panic or you can choose peace. Panic or choose peace. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, Jesus, he made it so easy. He said, now look, he said, my peace I give unto you. He said, the peace that I give unto you, it's not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then I love how he said this. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And then he went on to say, if you believe in God... Believe in me also. Colossians says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Always choose peace over worry. Worry and fear 
is meditation on the lies of Satan. But faith is meditating on the Word of God. So, in life, in life, in this life that we live, we will get ample opportunity to fear and to be afraid. Am I, am I preaching to the right crowd? Ample opportunity to be tested, to be tried. But God is saying to us in these days, arm yourself with my word and be filled with the Spirit daily so that you can stand up to the test when it comes. Amen. So here's what happens. Is people get worn out by life circumstances. And as a result, people begin to fade. And instead of rejecting and resisting, they just all of a sudden, you know, kind of lay down and get tired and get worn out. I found a scripture. Look it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Oh, we're going somewhere today. Look at your neighbor and say, we're headed somewhere. Ooh, glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Now notice with me in verse 13. And we're going to track that right on through. Verse 13, it says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written... I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. In a time of testing and in a time of trial is not the time to stop saying what God said. If you've not been given a spirit of fear, the opposite of the spirit of fear is the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith always will believe what God said and say what God said no matter what the devil say. It don't matter what the devil say. It's going to go God's way. Now notice, tracking with me in this thought. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead... Knowing that he which raised up the Lord shall raise us up also and shall present us with you. Verse 16, and let's look at this in the Amplified Version. Verse 16, Amplified. So the tests, the trials, they have a tendency to wear you out. But you can wear them out through the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, look at this verse. It says, therefore, in other words, because you have the spirit of faith, because God raised Jesus from the dead, because you have a revelation and an understanding that you are more than a conqueror, because you have a revelation and an understanding that you have authority over all devils, therefore, we do not become discouraged. What's the opposite of being discouraged? The opposite of being discouraged is being encouraged. And when we encourage ourselves by refreshing ourselves in the Word 
and in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and being filled continuously with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says we do not become discouraged. You cannot discourage a believer who has spent time encouraging himself in the Lord. You can't do it. You cannot discourage a person that's encouraged. Now, I know what it's like to be discouraged. And I certainly like the fact that people have come along and encouraged me. Don't you? And the spirit of encouragement is a ministry and it's wonderful and it's great. But you know something? You can't always call on your encouragers at three in the morning. And ultimately, it is the will of God primarily for you as a Christian to stay encouraged. How? By encouraging yourself in the Lord. How do you do that? Through the Word. Through fellowship. Through singing. Therefore, not therefore, therefore... We do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless. Now notice, here's what I wanted you to see. Exhausted and wearied out through what? Fear. Fear is exhausting, right? But when we're encouraged, we do not become wearied out and exhausted through fear. And I like this. Though our outer man is progressively decaying or wasting away. You know, we're getting older. I'm 62 years old, Sunday, but I'm not buying in to go into an early grave. I don't believe the will of God and the plan of God is for us to be short-circuited in our life. The will and the plan of God is for us to live strong and to live long. Amen. So don't buy into this stuff about you getting old. Instead of you getting old, you getting bold. Instead of you getting old and just kind of laying in bed and all around, no. You're rising up in the name of Jesus. My best years are ahead of me. Glory to God. I shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not getting older, I'm getting bolder. Let's bring that scripture back up. We're working on something today. Oh, glory to God. Somebody worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, we do not become (laughs) discouraged, utterly spiritless, anemic, always needing prayer, always having a sad song, always needing someone to bail you out. Jesus already bailed you out. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through what? Through fear. Now, he says, though our outward man is progressively decaying. How many of you believe you're going to see the rapture of the church? Think about it. Glory to God, you might be eating Sunday brunch. And just getting going on your apple pile of mode. And all of a sudden, whoop! Where'd he go? I don't know, but I'm going to eat his pie. 
And you know, there'll be some people in the world just like that. They'll try to explain away the rapture of the church as Martians coming, taking us away. Ha ha, ho ho, hee hee. And when you get to heaven, don't complain about your apple pile of mode. There's stuff up there that you've never partaken of, of yet, and you won't need it. Hallelujah. You know, I'm one of those first load Christians. I believe that the church is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the wrath, before the tribulation. Now, if you're a mid-tribber or if you're a post-tribbler, stay and tribulate. I'm going on train number one. Who come with me? (laughs) Who join with me? Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Morning or night or noon. Stay ready. Get ready. He's coming soon. Yeah, he's coming. Well, what if I don't live to see the rapture? Then have your own personal rapture. 2 Corinthians 4. I didn't tell you to turn. All right, there we go. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and worried out through fear. Though our outward man is progressively decaying, yet our inward man is being progressively, oh glory, he's being progressively renewed day by day. I'm being renewed day by day. I'm being encouraged day by day. I'm using the glory. I'm using the spirit of faith every day. I believe in my heart. I say with my mouth what this word says, and I'll not be moved from my covenant. I've got a covenant with a covenant keeping God, and so do you. Woo! Next verse. Next verse. For our light, it's just for a moment. This slight distress of this passing hour, the good news is this hour is passing. It's ever more and more abundantly, here's what it's doing. It's preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. Listen, beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and even things you can't even calculate. It is a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness and it will never cease. Woo! Glory to God. You've got loved ones in heaven. I've got loved one in heaven. It ain't going to be long before Jesus is going to split the eastern sky. And he's going to catch us up in a moment of time. So don't you dare get spiritless. Don't you dare get weak. Don't you dare cast away your confidence. Stay strong in this day and this hour. And in the power of his might, walk in the word. Walk in the light. And God will bless your life indeed. Woo! Hallelujah. Don't magnify the fear. Magnify the Lord. Last verse. 
Verse 18. This is all in the context together of you've been given the spirit of faith and that you can keep yourself encouraged in the Lord. Listen, friends. The spirit of faith will displace fear in your life every time. The law of displacement says this. If you keep putting something in, sooner or later, it will displace what was in it before. You just move it out. When you keep putting the word in your heart and saying it with your mouth, you will absolutely see the spirit of fear displaced. No more fear. No more fear. The lists of phobias are so long. Well, I'm afraid if I do this, I'm going to die. I'm afraid if I do this, it's going to do that. No, get rid of it out of your life. Look at the last verse. Since we consider, since this, since of what we said, since of what God has spoken to us today, we consider and refuse to, we look not to the things that are seen. We don't look to the bad report. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are seen, thank God they've got an expiration date. We don't look there. We don't live there. We, don't, we refuse to even acknowledge it. We look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. God has given you two sets of eyes. He's given you these outward eyes, but He's also giving you these inward eyes. And through these inward eyes, you can look at the Word of God and that Word will paint a picture of your redemption in Christ Jesus and will make it clear to you who you are and what you have and where you are in Christ Jesus and that you're far above all fear. Amen? Amen. So we don't consider the things that are seen but the things that are unseen. Listen. For the things that are visible are temporal, they're brief, and they're fleeting. Read the rest with me. But the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's emancipation. There's freedom, glory to God, from any bondage. There's deliverance from every fear. Now listen, fear will knock at the door. And sometimes you will feel fear. But fear is not to be owned. And fear is not to be confessed. Because fear comes from the outside. And if you will cultivate who you are in Christ, you'll get an understanding that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when you let God arise in your life, his enemies surely will be scattered. And that includes fear. Did you get anything out of it today? I know you did. Let's lift our hand. Let's thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor Tom, that was good singing today. Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in church and I'm going to be blessed in the restaurant in just a few minutes. How about you? I'm thanking the Lord ahead of time for a good fish dinner. How about you? Woo! 
glory to God. Somebody said, you're going to have chips, no rice, but that's none of your business. Hallelujah. 